we we've got so much within us that that just just challenge yourself a little bit and find out because you really are magnificent. Mm. That's that's the bottom line. Welcome everybody to the Jeff Mara podcast. For those of you that are listening audio only, I just want to let you know that there is a YouTube video for this podcast, and that's also Jeff Mara podcast on YouTube. So if you want to see what's going on, then then go to YouTube and check it out. Tonight's guest is Lynn Russell. After researching 2,500 cases of near-death experiences, Lynn shares the in-depth understandings she has gained in her book, The Wonder of You, What Near-Death Experience Tells Us About Yourself. And she does have Edition 1 and Edition 2, which we will find out more about later. Through her research, she has discovered deeply hidden messages about the world, life, and the past that we all travel. During her research, Lynn uncovered marvelous messages she wanted to share with others. Hopefully during our podcast, we were going to get some of those answers out of her today. So Lynn, thank you very, very much for coming on my show. I really appreciate it. I've been looking forward to asking you questions. Oh, it's my pleasure. I love being here. Thank you. All right. So um, let's get right to it. Some of your big questions. Why are we here? That's a big one. Yes. Do we want to start with the biggest one? I can answer it, but it's sort of really involved. It's really involved. Okay. Well, let's go back then. How did you get into near-death experiences in the first place? Well, basically because I was frightened of death. Hmm. I was sure that um, when I found out that I was going to die one day. Um, that was just horrible. And um, so I, I wanted to find out what death was all about. And we were raised in an atheist home. And so when I talked to my mom about what would happen, she said, nothing, you'll just disappear. Mm-hmm. And that was terrifying. That yeah. was absolutely terrifying. So that's what got me into spirituality. And that was about eight or nine then. And from my teen years on, I have studied all kinds of religions and spirituality and just everything I could get. If it was new and mm-hmm. different, I wanted to know about it. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I also had some spiritual experiences of my own mm-hmm. that were pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that that's what came in, brought it all together for me. And then I was also... Um, when I retired, I was going to be a writer. Well, I am. <laughs> mm. But I had a completely different book that I had in mind. And, um, but uh, um, I needed to do some research for it. So I went to NDERF to find out some, some answers for the book, which never got written, by the way. Um, mm. But I, I fell in love with, hey, here I am with this, mm. all these um, answers to what happens after death. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I was on the chat line there, and Dr. Long, Dr. Jeffrey Long, who owns the site, asked uh, for someone to volunteer to do research, and I said, me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's how it got, it. It got uh-huh. started. Well, that's great. Do you personally practice any religion at this time? No. 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 I, I'm, I'm um, a Unitarian. Mm-hmm. But we don't have a Unitarian church or fellowship where I am. And Unitarians don't have a specific belief. They just, whatever the truth is, that it's a search for truth. 
whatever that might be. Yeah, it's interesting you said that. I'm in Texas now, but when I got out of college in my early 20s, I was way out working in Alabama. Uh-huh. And, you know, that's kind of the belt buckle of the Bible belt, right? Yes, it is. But in this belt buckle, I happened to stumble across a Unitarian church. And I really enjoyed it. Yes, yes, yes. It's a, it, it, it's very open-minded. And uh, they have seven principles, but basically there are two. One is uh, respect for everyone and all mm-hmm. life everywhere. And the second one is search for truth, whatever that might be. In your research, I would assume that you've come across people seeing most type of religions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like if you're a Christian, were they seeing Jesus? Were, were Muslims seeing Muhammad? Were Buddhists seeing Buddha? What did you find? I, I think what I would say there is that there isn't a hard and fast rule. Generally, yes. Generally, when a person... Um, guys, they see what they expect to see. I think that's how I would put it. But I have also read of Jewish people who met Jesus. Interesting, yeah, <laughs> and, that's a good and, one. And, 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 and um, really strong Christians that came away saying that was nothing like what I was taught. And so it's, uh, and, and changing their faith and becoming Buddhist, actually. A lot of them become Buddhist afterward. Interesting. I had read some other research before, and it was kind of along the lines that, you know, you each religion would see their religious prophet or master, and people who were spiritual and or atheists would just see like a spiritual being. Mm-hmm. Did you find that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They very often don't. Sometimes they need... Sometimes atheists have um, a, a, an experience where they might meet a guide. Mm-hmm. Um, they might meet their their loved ones on the other side, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't have. Um, usually, they're shocked the instant they leave their body. They're going, "How did this happen? <laughs> mm. I'm still I still exist. How can this be?" Right, that kind of thinking. Yeah. Can you tell us about some of the common things that you would hear from people that, you know, across all walks of life? Yes, there are things that happen to everyone. Mm-hmm. For example, and some of them most people know about, for example, uh, communication through thought and being able to move from one place to another through thought as well, just mm-hmm. thinking about where you want to be and you're there. Um and but the big ones are are primarily getting all knowledge. Like no matter what question they ask, they are absolutely inundated with the complete answers to the point where um, there's literally nothing left to ask because everything. Not only is that question answered, but everything that impinges on that question is also answered. So oh. they they come away with a great deal of knowledge. Hmm, interesting. Are you finding that um, people are involved in soul groups and they meet their group of people that they keep yeah. reincarnating with? Uh, actually, I never ran across that. Hmm, interesting. Yes, I got. Well, wait a minute. They would say that they recognized people on the other side and knew that they had had lives with those that other soul, mm-hmm. but I never had a 
deliberate soul group that that like reincarnating together over and over and over again that mm-hmm. i didn't come across that but by the way one of the other things that people and this will lead into what why we're here mm-hmm. is uh one of the big ones that people come come to is that they uh realize that um everything is one they they feel that they once they're of their body it's like they're connected to everything that ever is mm. and ever was you know they just feel this complete total togetherness like mm. like they belong and they they are everything i think most people you know they'll see the light or see a tunnel of light have you ever come across someone that saw the light and chose not to go in that direction no i don't think so i've had people who have seen the light and known that they have to come back because they're not finished yet. Mm-hmm. Is that the kind of thing you mean? No. Actually, yeah, I you know, I was actually like decided I'm not going back to the light and either they remained here like as a ghost or Yeah. No, actually what I've read uh is that um they feel very drawn to the light when they're mm-hmm. when they now sometimes they just see the light. It's like this huge bright light that sort of sitting up there far away and um and they it's it they recognize that it's much more than just a light that there's a person that there's a um, an intelligence mm-hmm. um like a, a being within the light mm-hmm. um but and so not everyone goes to the light some people just see it other people will feel very very drawn to the light and we'll find themselves eventually right inside the light sometimes. Yeah, interesting. Have you come across a lot of people that didn't want to come back, even though they were kind of forced to come back? <laughs> Almost all of them. All of them, huh? It was a real, yeah, yeah, nobody wants to come back here. Interesting. They, they, um, yeah, it's so beautiful there. They, you know, they're filled with love. There's so much joy and peace, and it's just, it's just, well, heaven. Uh, you know, it's just a really beautiful experience. And they're so wrapped up with the beautiful experience that they don't want to come back. They, they, and some people have, I've even read some people saying that they had a temper tantrum and they were yelling and screaming. Wow. Not to come back, yeah. Yeah. In your research, if you don't mind me asking, how did you conduct your research? Were you interviewing people or reading um, other people's interviews? Yeah. And mostly I was reading other people's uh, reports. Um, I did, and I was very fortunate that I did get to talk to a few people mm-hmm. that um, that had sent in their reports. But but most of them, I, I uh, just read their reports. And then what I would do, they would make the report. Mm-hmm. And then after the report, they had a huge um, questionnaire to answer. I mean, it was a lot of questions pertaining mm-hmm. to what happened to them when they were there. Mm-hmm. For example, the tunnel, loved ones, the light, those mm-hmm. kind of things. Mm-hmm. The, whether they, how was their, did they see better and, and all, all that kind of thing. And um, then I would take that questionnaire and break it all up into like so many people had this and so many people had that happen. And that's that's what I did. And then Dr. Long use that for his book, um, Evidence of the Afterlife, mm-hmm. uh, The Science of Near-Death Experiences. So my research was for that book. 
Oh, great. When you mentioned in your book, what is life about? Why are we yeah, here? What are we yeah. supposed to be doing? Are those, were those part of the questions on your questionnaire or was those just kind of your own conclusions from what you read? Okay. It, they were con- mostly conclusion, conclusions mm. that I came to because so many people would talk about the exact same thing. Mm. So Interesting. to me, it meant that that was real, you know. Right. There was some that would be off a little bit different. But primarily, it was it was um, um, because that's what the people reported. So so, but you see, what I was saying before was that I spend a lifetime searching and learning about spirituality and different kinds of religions. So that when I did this research, everything just fell pieces, fell um, together for me, mm-hmm. and I could see. Oh yeah, that's why this and this and this and this. Mm. So that's what uh, that's why I wrote it because I was just getting such beautiful experience and beautiful information back. So that's why I wrote it to share that. Yeah. All right, um, maybe we can jump to this. Won't be a big question. Some people believe in like the multiverse theory, and even physicists or cosmologists may believe that we have multiple universes. From reading and these conclusions, can you explain to us what is our reality? Um, yes, uh, yes, I think I can. Uh, and that's what's so beautiful about this, mm-hmm. is that our reality is source. We are the source having a life experience in this existence, and that's our reality. And how that's done is, and this comes from science, is consciousness that mm. we are consciousness, and um, that 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 to me is so exciting and so you know so beautiful because it means that that we are actually there. We've never left. We're still at the source mm-hmm. right this very minute, and we get this feeling of being um, separate. But that's what it's all about. We're supposed to be separate so that we can get back to the source. Mm-hmm. in our, our life experience. And so that's why we're here. We're here to give to the source, which is ourself. Yeah, that makes in a lot a of sense. Way. I think some people may believe that consciousness is actually not even part of our body. It's like our body is just here as, you know, like a machine to kind of tune in our consciousness, Which, but it's kind of maybe surrounds our body or distant from our body. Or Do you have any explanation mm-hmm. for that? Well, actually, it's all. It's mm. all of it. Mm. It's it's the physical and the non-physical. It's 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 universe. Consciousness is literally everywhere because consciousness is source, and source is everywhere. Panpsychism mm. is what they call it, and uh, so panpsychism is the consciousness everywhere, and so. Um, it's it's in the physical things like our bodies and and our houses and whatever else and and stones and beautiful streams and you know it's it's in there too. Oh, interesting. But we feel it. We feel it when we go into into um, into um, nature. We feel closer, but it's it's in my cup. <laughs> mm. Mm. There's nothing that doesn't have so, um, source within it because. Source is the creative energy mm-hmm. that creates that. 
And another thing is that source is love. Um, and we've heard that for years, you know, centuries we've been told God is love, God is love. Well, now we're finding out that it's really true, that people who enter into the light are absolutely blown away by the love that they experience. And, um, and so that is, that is true. And then they find out that it is that love that is the power that is used to create with. Mm. And so we are love power. Mm. <laughs> I love that. I think that's mm. wonderful. Yeah. If you can remember and tell us, what is the most shocking report of an NDE that you ever read or came across? Is there something that just really like blew you away? Yeah, um, I do actually. Uh, and I think it's in my book. Um, I don't remember names and I, I don't like to put names in books because it may be, you know, copyright stuff and all that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, this was a sailor. He was a, a sailor at sea and um, he was a, actually an, in the Navy and he was doing deep sea driving, diving with a bunch of other fellows and um, he accidentally stepped on a uh, poison coral. And so he got the poison coral embedded in his foot. Mm -hmm. And um, so that they, his buddies got him back to the ship as soon as they saw that he was having problems. Uh, but it was too late and he died on ship. Yeah. But before he died, the strangest thing was that the doctor on ship, the, the Navy doctor, um, had set him up with an EEG. So they put an EEG on him. Hmm. and on his head and so now why i don't know he did that but yeah. anyway the doctor left when he died the doctor just left the eeg running <laughs> and left the room and came back 29 hours later that's when this fellow came back from death 29 wow 29 hours, hours. and this and the eeg was still running oh wow so it was so there was absolute proof there wasn't anything that would say, okay, the co the poison did something that you know slowed his breathing down, or or anything that <laughs> you know that they or did they you know that he wasn't really dead, or or they knew he was dead. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I just you know kind of playing the devil's advocate. Yeah, and that's that's cool because I think that there's a lot of people who want to have like they, they it's so confusing. How can this possibly be? Uh, you know, and so I can certainly understand. And the same with the fact that it's called near-death experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the man who first wrote about it and, and started this whole thing was um, a doctor. It was uh, Dr. Raymond Moody. And okay. so he, he started this whole thing, but he was a doctor, and he didn't believe that the, real, that the deaths were real. He thought they were, like you say, that there was your brain or you know, he was, they were almost dead. They weren't mm -hmm. really dead. Right. Um, but since then, we found out that they really are dead. Mm -hmm. And um, so the brain has some activity that lasts at the brain stem mm -hmm. um, for about a half hour or so, maybe a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, and that's it. It dies. It quits at, at about three quarters of an hour. That's it. There's literally nothing back there. <clears throat> so even if, you know, there's, there's just nothing happening. 
So these people, some of these, I have quite a few of them actually, that were put in the morgue and pronounced dead. They're in the morgue. They're in the state of rigor mortis mm-hmm. and they come back. Wow, that's interesting. And they've been gone for 13, 14 hours. Wow. And and they can't they can't move. They're, they're, they're frozen. Mm. And uh, they can't tell anybody that they're back. Mm. Because you know they can't move, but the, usually the attendant will notice them and, and yeah, do something. But so that cannot be the brain breaking down. It can't be the drugs. It can't be all the excuses. I really think we need way more study. We 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 make decisions about what it is, <clears throat> close the door and walked away, and we really need a lot more study. I agree with you. I mean, I think that even, you know, quote unquote, modern science really can't do, you know, they kind of define consciousness as just the state of being awake, but there's so much more to it that it's really kind of almost undefinable. And even the, even the, the medications or the drugs that make you unconscious, they can kind of say, okay, well, this chemical enters your brain and you become unconscious, but there's no more in depth of saying, okay, well, what's actually going on yeah. in the mechanism? So you, yeah, and so you see, for the fact that the, pe- the people have that their bodies have gone into rigor mortis mm-hmm. says that um, this cannot be. They were really dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> their body wouldn't go into rigor mortis mm-hmm. if they weren't really dead. Right. So you know, it's things like that. But these are the things they they were able to tell people what what they were doing mm-hmm. you know they leave their body and they go and travel around and they mm-hmm. can tell people what they've been doing because they can see us and they can hear us they know even our thoughts right. and so they'll even tell people what they've thought about or what they've been doing and so on but their bodies are back on a slab somewhere mm, yeah that's so, interesting i've never heard that one let me catch a couple questions here from anything you've learned and what you've concluded is there a such thing as destiny? And if so, do you believe in it? I'm not a fan of destiny. Um, what happens is we, before we come here as a soul, mm-hmm. we decide that we are going to accomplish a task or some kind of th- thing that we're going to do while we're here. Mm-hmm. And um, then we will decide on uh the elements of our lives, mm-hmm. the future life, that will help us to get to that goal, right. whatever that goal happens to be. And so we'll decide the people in our lives. Mm-hmm. We will decide um, events that will happen in our lives. But we don't decide every single person we ever run across. Right. And we don't decide every single um, event that ever happened in our lives. Right. And more than that, and we even, we even decide how intelligent we're going to be, what country we're going to live in, what, what we're going to look like. You know, all of those things are, are predestined. Um, and so then we will um, have a life. And But while we're here, because we are source, and we really need to keep that in mind, hmm. because we are source, we can control it. We can change it. And so we can decide not to do it in this lifetime. Now, we need to get that whatever it is done. So that means we have to come back to the next life and do it. 
you know, uh, we can't get out of it. Right. But it, it, yeah. So that's that's destiny. We really have one hundred percent free will to change whatever we want. Hmm, okay. Let me see this one. Have you come across anybody who said they go to hell? And so, do you believe in heaven or hell, or is there just heaven? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yes, I have actually quite a few people have have had hellish or negative experiences, and um, so when they are in that hell experience, two things about that is that one, no two hell experiences are the same. Now, I said that about death experiences too, but there are elements within death experiences that are the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but with hell experiences, they're completely different from each other. So that's one thing. But the other thing is that while the person is having that horrible experience, Mm -hmm. they will ask to be taken away. They'll say, get me out of here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or or, um, one fellow was an atheist, Mm -hmm. and um, there he is in hell, and he couldn't think of what, how was he going to get out of here? And so the only thing he could think of was, Jesus loves me, yes, I know. (laughs) And learned when he was a kid, uh-huh. and so he started to sing that, and he was out. Oh, interesting. And one of the interesting points of that is that every single person that I have studied that that was in hell got out. Every single one of them. They, mm. they asked to be taken out, and they were immediately removed. That's point one. Every single one said, well, what was that all about? Like, how come? I had that experience. And they were all told that that was them, that they had made that up, that Mm. that was their creation. So hell was their own creation. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So because we need to really keep in mind that we are source. And Mm. as source, we are creators. And as creators, we create the life we are presently having. And we create the world that we're in. And we create the death experience. What do you think about people who are criminals, murderers, stuff like that? What do you think happens to them after they die? Well, that's a hard one because um, so many people want, we want them to pay. You know, they were horrible and they did awful things and they hurt other people so they should pay. But that doesn't happen. It doesn't Mm -hmm. work that way. Right. What happens is... They have to experience, and I guess this would be the, the, the best example of hell um, that that is. They have a life review, and mm. when they have their life review, they experience every single thing they have done as if it's themselves. Mm. So it's just a table of turn completely, and they become the person that they have abused or hurt, and they feel exactly what that other person felt. Hmm. Now, that goes both ways. So if you're kind and you're caring and you're loving, you experience that too. Hmm. But there's no no um, judgment except that what we judge ourselves. We're the only ones who do any judging. The, the, we're not judged from outside. In fact, while we're going through the death ex- at the life review, we, we feel all kinds of love and and, and um, being poured towards us, you know, like it's mm. really quite lovely. Yeah. Mm. 
you know, I have another podcast that I did with a person and we talked about his near-death experience and I wish I remembered all the exact events, but the place he went to was kind of like an apocalyptic world, like a destroyed city. And um, I kind of just point blank asked him, do you feel like you were in hell? And he, I think he said no. But he was there like learning stuff about himself or kind of learning. And then when he was doing something mechanical and then every time he would change something mechanically, he would perhaps learn something about himself. And eventually he got out and came back. But oh, I would assume but... from all your research, anybody ended up in a place that's, you know, a blown up yeah. city is not not the typical and he, that's I think, shame. acknowledged that as well. Is yeah. that's not your your typical being in a place of love and light? No, no, that's not a typical um, at all. Okay, let me explain. As I said before, we are the creators, and we create the experiences we have. Mm-hmm. So I've had one fellow who worked oh a couple of hundred years. Oh, he was on the other side, right? He's mm-hmm. only gone for like a half hour. When he's gone, he feels like he's been gone, um, and he he had to build. Um, I'm trying to think of what it was, but he had to build this something up a hill, and it took him 150 years to do it, hmm. or 200, something like that. Anyway, it was a huge long time. And I've had other ones who have talked about having lifetimes on the other side and come back, but those are exceptions. But that's what they created for themselves mm. because that's what they thought it mm. should be. Yeah, him and I both talked about that. It's interesting you bring that up because I felt like, you know, when you're in that place, time doesn't exist anymore anyways. Right. Time only that's exists right. here. That's right. That's right. And I, and I almost thought before, if you want to reincarnate, Imagine being in a place and you can just choose whatever time you want to incarnate. Well, okay, this life, I'm going to pop in in the 1700s and then you're yeah. back. And okay, yeah. now I'm going to go into the 3000s, you know, and you you yeah, kind of, it's I nonlinear. I think could, but it, I, for us is that we don't, we, we're so wrapped up with time that it's illogical to us mm-hmm. being able to do things like that. So, right. um how can we go to something that already happened, you know? Mm-hmm. So I do agree. But I will talk to you about a woman. Um, her experience blew me away. Mm-hmm. She was in the tunnel on the way up to wherever, and um, or sideways maybe, I don't know. Anyway, she's in the tunnel and she's moving. And in her mind, she says to herself, I'm just, cry- I'm just making this up. This mm-hmm. isn't real. And so she decided to think about somewhere else. And all of a sudden, she became where, where she, like this other place that she thought up. She became there. She was there. There she was, right in the middle of this place. And it was as real as this is right now. And she kept thinking of different kind of places that to, to be because she realized that she was the one who was making this up. And every time she went to it, it was as real as we feel this is right now. What do you think about dreams? Oh, dreaming. Yes. Oh, well, I've wondered about that myself, actually. You know, I've sort of wondered. I have not got an answer for you from near-death experiences. Mm-hmm. I, I do wonder about it because when we are dreaming, we're not aware of time. 
when we're asleep, we're not aware of time, you know? So I do wonder whether we're connecting to the other side or not. But I, I, that didn't, I haven't got that answer officially. Hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, what do you think about people who are doing past life regression therapy? Actually, I went through past life regressions and 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 came to four different lives, mm-hmm. and they were very realistic while I was there. Mm-hmm. But when I came back, I wondered if I'd made it up. Right. You know? Yeah. Right, yeah. So, now, I don't know about regression, but I do know that we have many, many lives. Many, many lives. So, um, so certainly reincarnation is real. Have you ever figured out what is the point of reincarnating over and over again? Like, what's the point of everything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now, this is hard for most people to get. So this is getting into that deeper stuff. Okay. We are source. We literally are source. We are separate source or we are all the same source? We are the light. Okay. When people have been, there's some people that have been over there like hours and hours, as I've said, and they go into the light and they become the light. And then they become one with the light so that they are also creators. Okay. Okay? So we come here to give experiences to the light, which is ourself. Mm -hmm. Because we are the light. So But every life is the same life because I am you and you are me because we're from the same source. There is nothing else but one one creator, one source, one spirit, actually. Mm -hmm. All right, there. One spirit. There's only one spirit and we are all it. Right. Okay? So every life that happens... It's ours. Right. So reincarnation, it might be this soul that is in this body that is going to have another existence, mm-hmm. or it might be the life, and I'm relating to that other life so well because I'm part of that light. Right. I generally agree with you, but then there's a question in my mind that I thought up is, with billions of people, at what point does Source say, okay, I've, I've experienced everything? Uh, um, well, I don't know that we can... Uh, um, you see, there's more than just being on Earth. Right. You know, so we can be every kind of bug or, or animal or, you know, that we want to on Earth, and there's a bazillion of those. But we can also be on other planets, too. Mm. So we can be life forms from anywhere in the universe. Mm. But there's probably, like you were talking a minute ago about multiverses. Mm-hmm. And and there, there I, I, now what I understand that, yes, there are more than one universe. And that I'm talking from the un, from end of years. That, that people with that death experiences do talk about multiverses. Mm. But I don't have a lot of information about it except mm-hmm. what I've read with science because I love science so I do a lot of reading about it. But um, I don't know that I can um, 
that I can talk about it from the near-death experience mm -hmm. position. Right. Yeah, I've heard that a, a, a physicist stated that it's possible that we all live in like the matrix. There's no way to prove that we're not in that. Like simulations running over and over again. <laughs> Have you seen that, the movie The Matrix? <laughs> I did actually, but I don't think that that's quite right. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, that, that and yeah. it's great imagination and, and, and it does have um, some elements of it, you know, that are, that are probably, um, because, and really this whole business of being consciousness, um, some people think that that, that because this, this universe, science has shown that this universe is holographic. And so we are holographic. And the brain we think about or think with is holographic. And if that's the case, what does that make us? So yeah. that's when we get to the consciousness. Right. And yeah. And there's also been science experiment, experiments that have been mm -hmm. done that show that we are consciousness. Hmm. And one of them is, um, oh dear, what is it? Global consciousness project mm -hmm. and they what they did was they put a very super super sensitive um, uh, program into all kinds of computers all over the place and these and the, it was it was tuned into the white noise mm -hmm. within you know the atmosphere and every time that there was a major event that happened in the world, they would, it would show on the graph. And it showed that our consciousness somehow was connected to the universe. So that was one of the things. Right. And the other one was that before we even, and, and you may have heard this one, if we're going to, something's going to happen, we get a message in our brain, seconds, like anywhere between four to ten seconds before the experience, before it's even happened. We don't even know what we're going to react to, and we're getting messages into our brain, which hmm. shows, to me, that shows that there's a direct link between us and source. Interesting. Yeah. All right, so let's jump over here. You have a first edition and a second edition of your book. Right. What is the difference between the first and the second edition? Yeah, good question. Um, my first book is primarily talking about what happens when you die, mm -hmm. and 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 just the, taking it step by step by step. Okay, mm -hmm. and um, and I also talk about the oneness through that book too. That's that's primarily a book on oneness. The second. Um, the second book is primarily um, talking about consciousness and using death experience and then and the material from that to show consciousness that we are consciousness. So hmm. that's the difference. So on the second book, have you just added extra chapters to the first edition? Well, I yeah, I I zapped a few of my original chapters mm -hmm. but primarily yes that's what i've done i i've added hmm. more material are you working on another book or do you have any other projects that you're working yeah, on do, right actually. now <laughs> um i i have 
a third book that I've just finished, and it's being edited. So um, pretty soon I'll be looking for a publisher. And uh, actually, I'm not worried about finding one because I've already had people that are interested. Um, and and so I'm looking for um, what is it, it is is primarily science showing the spirituality of science. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a, a spiritual science book, but it's mostly science. Mm-hmm. But it's e- easy, very, very, very. I I write it to talk to the everyday person, not to other scientists, because mm. I'm talking to seekers who want understanding. And right. so I don't want to make it heavy. So I, I, I break things down very basic language, you know, so I'm not using big, heavy stuff. <laughs> when do you expect this book to be out? Well, when I find a publisher, and I, as I say, I think it'll be pretty quick. Um, then it takes about a year and a half after that for a book to come out. Wow. So in a year and a half. Wow, <laughs> or, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah it, it is. It's a long process. Mm. And the writer is sitting there going, <laughs> waiting for it to happen. Yeah. And the other thing that I've also started, I've, I've written my um, biography, my, my autobiography. So, um, yeah, that's my other I've got it three quarters, and yeah, three quarters written. Hmm. What's the best way for people to find out about you and how to buy your book? And do you have a website? I do, and it's so <clears throat> lynnkrussell.com. Mm-hmm. How about that? All right. So um, that's my website. Mm-hmm. I'm on Twitter, okay. and I'm on Facebook, and I'm also on LinkedIn, and I do chats there, like, you know, with people there too. So, are your books for sale on Amazon? They're on Amazon, and they're also on pretty much any um, uh, server. You know, any any uh, warehouse or places that you get books. I'm trying to think of the right words. A provider, or, you know, server. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, any any place that sells books, and if it isn't. In a store near you, you can order it. Oh, that's great. All right. Well, before we wrap it up here, do you have any message that yeah. you have learned from your research that you can share with the audience? Sure. Well, one of the things that I've learned is that we really are much more magnificent than we ever give ourselves credit for being. And that we have much more within ourselves that we can accomplish. We shortchange ourselves um, all the time. You know, we say we can't, and we, we're frightened. And we let things talk us out of being able to accomplish. And we, we've got so much within us that, that just, just challenge yourself a little bit and find out. Because you really are magnificent. Mm. That's that's the bottom line. <laughs> I like that. That was some good positive words for me for the day. <laughs> All right, Lynn. Well, thank you so much for giving me some of your time this evening. I wish you massive success with your current books and your next book. <laughs> thank you. And um, I wish you the best. Ah, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. And thank you for having me. This thank has you. been great. Thank you so okay. much and, and have a great evening.
You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.